and reading from verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Minister parked his car on double yellow lines in a busy street on the town centre because he was short of time and couldn't find anywhere else to park. He put a note under his windscreen wiper that read, I've circled the town ten times and if I don't park here I'll miss an important meeting. Forgive us our trespasses. When he returned, he found a parking ticket on his windscreen, along with a note from the traffic warden, which read, I have circled this town centre for ten years, and if I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> I'm not sure the, uh, the minister or the traffic warden, warden really fully understood uh, what they were talking about when it came to the Lord's Prayer. What I want to do this morning is, uh, is to put this verse in context. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is, of course, part of what you and I both know as the Lord's Prayer. The words are very familiar. And, of course, there is a, a problem with familiarity in the fact that we have said them a hundred times and the problem is, is that sometimes we say them without really thinking what it is that we are saying. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but actually uh, Michael Green points out in, uh, in his comments that really it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. He says this, it is really the Disciples' Prayer 
because it's the prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples. And it's only as we enter into the life of discipleship that we can appreciate its meaning. This is a prayer for disciples of Jesus to pray. This is a prayer that the disciples were given when Jesus was teaching them how to pray. And uh, this prayer is not what we think it is. In fact, um, John Ottberg, uh, in his uh, book that we, uh, we looked at last year, God is Closer Than You Think, says this, This is maybe the most dangerous, exciting, life-altering prayer a human being can pray. I guess that isn't the way that you and I would probably describe the Lord's Prayer or think about it. But I'm hoping after today, maybe we will. A dangerous prayer. Um, we don't really think of, uh, of praying as being a, a dangerous activity, do we? It's, uh, it's something that, uh, that hopefully we do on a regular basis and we probably think we're not being very dangerous uh, when we're doing it. But John Orberg suggests that this is a dangerous prayer to pray. And uh, one of my hopes is that after this morning, this prayer will be a lot more difficult for you to pray. That the words won't come quite as easily when we fully understand what it is we're praying for and what it is we're asking for. And so, let's uh, delve into the verse. Your kingdom come. You know, when we talk about kingdoms, very often what we do is we think about uh, a particular place, don't we? We live in the United Kingdom and uh, there are borders and so that you know when you're entering the United Kingdom. Uh, many of you will have a, a passport uh, to, to, uh, to, to show when you, when you cross a border that says that you are a citizen of this particular kingdom. Um, when Jesus gives the disciples this prayer and talks about your kingdom coming, um, he's not really talking about a particular place. In English, uh, the idea of kingdom very often refers to a place, but the Greek word for kingdom in the Bible puts the emphasis really on rule or reign. It's a place where a king rules or a king reigns. In fact, some Bible translations translates the words kingdom of God as reign of God or rule of God to bring out this idea that when we're praying for your kingdom to come we're actually praying for his rule, for his reign to come. Now Jesus, um, you'll of course know in the, uh, the Gospels talked an awful lot about the kingdom of God and so it must be a really important subject. His very first recorded sermon is described in the Bible as saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He taught stories called parables uh, designed to illustrate what God's kingdom was like. Um, he, Jesus believed and taught that through his life and death that God's reign had descended upon earth. That somehow his death and resurrection opened up the door for God's kingdom to come. Yet he also taught that God's kingdom wouldn't come with power and authority until his second coming. Jesus talks about the kingdom an awful lot. 
In his parables he talks about the kingdom of God is like, and then he'd say the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, or the kingdom of God is like a widow, a widow who lost a coin. It's like a shepherd who had 99 sheep but loses one. It's like a king who prepared a feast. And there's all sorts of parables to explain to us what the kingdom is like. And when Pilate asked Jesus if he is king, do you remember how he answered? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. So the kingdom of God, it began uh, really in that story that we've just been thinking about in the, uh, in the nativity. When Jesus came to the earth. Mark Stibbe in a, an article about the nativity uh, links it to the ideas of the kingdom of God. And uh, he has something interesting to say, particularly about uh, where Luke records the, uh, the shepherds uh, uh, hearing from the angels. And he suggests that, that the angels actually bring the shepherds a politically subversive message. He talks about the fact that uh, when Jesus was born, uh, people had to say that Caesar was Lord. And he suggests that who is the real Lord and Saviour? And that the nativity reveals the clash of two kingdoms. Military might and power as opposed to sacrificial love. And in our world and in our church, we need to face the same challenge. Whoever Caesar might be, we have to decide who is going to be Lord. Your kingdom Come. When we pray your kingdom come, what we're really asking for is for God's kingdom to come in our lives, which means God's rule, God's reign to come. He opened the door for God's kingdom, inviting people to come through the doors by trusting in his death and resurrection. He warned us, unless we are born again by faith, that we cannot enter the kingdom of God. As God's future kingdom's reign somehow invades the presence. Yet it's only when Jesus comes at the end of the age that God's kingdom will fully come. So we leave, live in that in-between period. God's kingdom has come in Jesus, in his birth and in his life and death and resurrection. And yet it is still to come fully when Jesus returns at the end of the age. We live in between the first coming and the second coming. So we live in a time of tension between the establishment of God's kingdom and the consummation of God's kingdom. We have to live in two worlds. We have to live within the kingdom of God and we have to live within the kingdom of this world. And sometimes um, we get a little bit mixed up and we get a little bit confused, don't we? Because our world has rulers and regulations uh, that are quite different to God's kingdom. It's interesting, when I was in Stockport, we had a, a lovely family from the Philippines. And uh, they were applying for UK citizenship. And they had to sit an examination. And I was quite in, intrigued to see uh, the process that they had to go through. And they had to learn all sorts of things. And uh, some of the questions, I have to admit, I would have struggled to answer. Uh, about the history of the country and about different laws and things. And I wonder 
if we were to have to sit a similar examination for entrance into the kingdom of God, whether we would be able to answer the questions. Whether we would know what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Because one of the things we discover about the kingdom of God is it's very different to the kingdom of this world. Very different. And so when we pray that prayer, your kingdom come, what we're actually doing is we're saying we want God's kingdom. We want to live by God's rules. We want to live by God's ways. We want God's kingdom to be the deciding factor in our lives. And you'll notice that in God's kingdom, there's a kind of reversal of rules to our kingdom. In, in, in our world, you know, it's the rich and the powerful that are first. It's those that have, rather than those that have not. And yet what Jesus says about the kingdom, he talks about in his kingdom, that those who are first in this world, being last in his kingdom. And God seems to have a special place for the poor. God seems to have a special place for the oppressed. God seems to have a special place for the downtrodden, for the outcast, and for the sinner in his kingdom. In our kingdom, these people are not important. And uh, sometimes we fail to recognise them. Because we're so wrapped up in the kingdom of this world, that we get mixed up in our priorities. And if we're not careful, what we do is we bring the kingdom of this world into the church and we squeeze out the kingdom of God what would it mean the challenges for us to pray your kingdom come in our families what would that mean for our families what would it mean for our marriages what would it mean for our children what would it mean for our relationships with our neighbours if we prayed your kingdom come what would it mean in our church if we were to pray, your kingdom come. We might think, well this is a place where the kingdom's already come. Don't be fooled. We need to pray that prayer, your kingdom come. So the first aspect is to recognise about our, the prayer, is that <clears throat> for God's kingdom to come, we are asking for God to rule in our lives. The kingdom in its fullness will have to wait to the ultimate return of Christ, but we can experience an increasing manifestation of the kingdom of God in our lives. Jesus said in Luke 17 and verse 21, For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And so this kingdom, um, its boundaries are endless. The kingdom of God can be wherever we go. If the kingdom is within us. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians uh, chapter 1 and verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love. Now it is our task, mine and yours. To manifest this kingdom on planet earth. Your kingdom come. Is what we pray. And this prayer doesn't get any easier, because having prayed for God's kingdom, God's rule to come in our lives, we then pray for your will to be done. In a sense, this means deciding that we want to do God's will, even before we know what it is. Think about that for a minute. For a minute. Would you write me a blank cheque and allow me to fill in the details? Would you do that? 
Some of you are shaking your heads. And rightly so, you wouldn't do it. But actually, this is what we pray. When we say this prayer, this is what we're doing. We're writing a blank check. Because we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. You see, we can't negotiate with the creator of the universe. We can't say, you know, well, that's a great idea, God, but uh, I've got a better idea. Uh, I think I'll do, th- I'll do things my way. We have to submit to the will of God. He asks us to decide up front whether we trust him, whether we are prepared to sign up and to hand our lives over to him. It's called a step of faith. It begins when you let God into your lives. And when you pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know if you've seen the film uh, uh, Bruce Almighty. I, uh, I recommend it to you. I commend it to you if you, if you haven't. It's not only a very funny film, uh, but it's got some quite poignant moments. There aren't many films that portray God in a great light. But this film really does portray God in a wonderful light. Uh, God is played by Morgan Freeman. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'd be quite happy if God turned out to be like Morgan Freeman. Uh, I wouldn't be disappointed. But I want to show you a little clip about uh, uh, Bruce Almighty. Bruce is, uh, is, is, is just setting the scene. He's, um, he's, he's not having the best of times, and he thinks that God doesn't answer any of his prayers, and he thinks that God can't do anything. And so uh, he has a meeting with God, and God says, if you think it's so easy to run the world, then you try doing it. And he allows him um, to be God for a while. And gives him all his powers. And, and of course Bruce makes a complete mess of it. And uh, we've, we've got a short little scene now. When uh, Bruce actually realises uh, how difficult it is for God's will to be done. Lord, 
bring peace to all of mankind. Uh, if you don't miss that, have to watch the film to see what happens but it's a great film but what happens is that is that Bruce comes to a point where he realises that it isn't about just himself and about what he wants and uh, when you and I pray you know your will be done um, what we have to do is lay aside our own wills uh, what we want and of course this isn't the easy thing to do um, because the natural thing for us to, to, to chase after are the things that we want. And to lay aside our own wills is what we do when we say, your will be done. Because very often, our wills are in contrary to what God wants and what God wills. And that's why it is not only a dangerous prayer, but a difficult prayer to pray. You see... In the church we see this clash of wills coming quite often. You know, when we, when we meet together and when we talk about things that are really important, how often do we put forward our points of view and what we think? I'm not saying that's wrong, but so often what we do is we forget to see God's will. And sometimes looking for God's will means laying aside what we think and seeking God. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, God, I trust you how you choose to answer my request. We're saying, God, this is what I want, this is what I think I need for the situation, but I trust you and I believe you to see this situation far more clearly than I do. In the clip, Bruce Almighty sees things through God's eyes and it changes his perspective from a selfish Wanting to wanting what's best for somebody. And when we pray, his kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're making a declaration about the kingdom we want and the world that we want to live in. We need to realise that if we're praying that God's will be done on earth, we are committing ourselves to learning all we can about his will. That means studying the Bible, taking it seriously, Trying to find out 
how God thinks and how God acts. And so it becomes second nature to us that we start to put ourselves in line with God's way of doing things. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then finally, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You know, when the New Testament speaks of God's kingdom, when it refers to heaven, again, um, it's not referring to a particular place. Many of us, if I were to ask you, you know, if I was to ask uh, somebody in the street, you know, where heaven is, they'd kind of probably vaguely point somewhere up there. Uh, It's somewhere uh, far away. It's the place where God is. Maybe it's the place where people go when they die. That's the way we tend to think of heaven, if we're honest, isn't it? As being somewhere out there that uh, we'll get to one day. And, uh, you know, let's hope that one day is not too soon. But when the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven, very often what it's actually talking about is God's rule and God's intervention. And the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus taught us to say, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was talking about in the here and the now. I don't know if you remember when we did the uh, God is closer than you think um, John Ortberg had this wonderful phrase that he took from this prayer and he interpreted it like this God make up there come down here God make up there come down here and that's what we're praying for when we say your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven what we're saying is can things be on earth as they are in heaven. Your kingdom come. Make up there, come down here. And you know, this can be a reality. This can be a reality. Every time you're in conflict with someone, or you want to hurt someone, or gossip about them, or avoid them, but instead you go up to them, and you seek reconciliation and forgiveness, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as it is in heaven. Every time that we give money to the poor or help someone who's homeless or hungry, the kingdom of God is breaking in on earth as it is in heaven. Every time you encourage someone who is defeated, every time you challenge someone who's wandered off the path, every time we serve another human being with love, the kingdom of heaven is breaking through on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done gladly, willingly, completely and joyfully. Um, the angels, you know, when God tells the angels to do something, they don't say, I don't think that's a good idea, God. We've got a better idea. Uh, we'll do this. Uh, when God gives a, uh, a commandment to the angels, they just do it. Uh, but joyfully, and our prayer is, may it be like that on earth. May there be a foretaste, a touch of heaven. Our prayer should be that in 2011, we get a taste of heaven on earth. In 2011, that we get a taste of heaven in the here and now. You see, 
The kingdom of heaven is amongst us. We're part of it. And what we want to do is bring a bit of heaven into our community, into our world. We want to bring things as they are in heaven. There is a place where God's presence, there's no place where God's presence cannot break through. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, heaven and earth, they're not two separate places, they're places that overlap. When Jesus was born, uh, heaven overlaps with earth. The kingdom of God is near. And there are still places, we're in a place now where heaven and earth is overlapping because we are in the presence of God. When we meet around the communion table, when we celebrate the sacraments, uh, heaven is breaking in on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's make that our prayer. But let's understand what it is that we're praying. When we're praying for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for God to reign and rule in our lives, in our families, in our work, in our neighbourhoods and in our church. When we're saying, your will be done, we're putting God's will before our own will and wants and needs. And when we're saying, on earth as it is in heaven, we're asking up there to come down here and to make it like it is in heaven. We're just going to pause for a moment and uh, and as we think about that we're going to listen to uh, a song and there'll be some words that uh, appear on the screen as we prepare to bring in a little bit of heaven in 2011.